Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. And today we're going to be talking to you about sports ball. Sports ball. Last we left you off in college football, uh, we were at week two. We're now at week five, and the landscape has changed pretty dramatically for us <laughs> in those three weeks. I think by landscaping change, you mean cratered. <laughs> so week three, Texas a played New Mexico. So this was Zach Calzada's full game as quarterback. This was kind of all of us seeing, okay, now he knows he's going to be quarterback. He's gotten a week's worth of reps with a starting team, uh, with the offensive line, with the rest of the playmakers on the team. Maybe he'll look better. And in general, they did. In general. Yeah, this final score is 34 to nothing. But, I mean, it's hard not to look good with the backdrop of a team like New Mexico. (laughs) New Mexico State, yeah. So we came out early, scored in the first two drives, and then we stalled in the next uh, set of drives. And i got to be honest, most of our injuries were self-inflicted in this one. Mm -hmm. You know, overthrown passes. Calzada has a a way of just throwing a ball to nowhere uh, occasionally. Which is disconcerting. <laughs> and more often than not, missing the open man when he does throw it away. <laughs> mm-hmm. He doesn't do his reads very well. <laughs> yeah. Our line's pretty leaky. Uh, New Mexico, you know, was able to get through on several occasions to provide pressure. You know, we scored a lot up front early and not much in the back, uh, which is not stereotypical of us. Right. Normally, it's the other way around, right? We'll, we'll score in the first maybe one, maybe two drives, and then we kind of stall until third, fourth quarter, and then we just, you know, unleash on people typically after we've we've worn down their defense. That definitely has not been what we've seen. It was not what we saw in this game, and it's not what we saw going forward. The offense, it, there's problems. <laughs> but, you know, it was a win, and coming off that, we were all kind of hopeful Calzada was going to play well. Yeah, really the shining light from that was the defense and the fact that the defense didn't allow any points. And they shouldn't have. I mean, you know, again, New Mexico, University of New Mexico, they shouldn't have allowed any any points, and they didn't. So the defense is looking pretty okay. Yep. (laughs) They're just having to carry the weight of uh, a bad offense because, like, our our offense is pretty one-dimensional, you know. Mm -hmm. Spiller and A-Chain running the ball. Every once in a while, Weidemeyer, when Calzada can find him, will catch the ball. <laughs> and sadly, that's that's kind of like AM writ large over the years. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of a jumble during the Sumlin years and the, uh, I guess, the Sherman years and the Francione years and then uh, the Jimbo years. The defense, uh, before them, R.C. Slocum. So R.C. Slocum was head coach, I want to, 10, 15 years, a long time long 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 time and he was you know he got a winning you know we we had a you know nine and five or or eight and four or whatever we had a winning record but we never got to you know really big bowl games or championships or anything like that uh and slocum steel slocum was the defensive coordinator under jackie sherrill if i remember correctly and so slogan was all about defense and that that was very true it was the wrecking crew right that that was our defense mm-hmm. and that image started to kind of bleed off after uh slocum got fired and um it's sort of come back 
uh, in the Jimbo Fisher years as just having this really, really strong defense. But part and parcel of that in the Slocum years was our offense was awful. <laughs> right. <laughs> or not awful, but just not great. And so that that's sort of the the what we're sort of stepping into this year, it looked like. Coming out of the Colorado game and then in this game. It was all about the defense. And going around the rest of the college football, the real big surprise was how close the Alabama Florida game was. Alabama yeah. beat Florida thirty one to twenty nine. And that really probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> Well, Alabama came out really strong and then sort of petered off, and Florida did the opposite. They came out pretty weak and then and came in a strong third quarter. It was a real close. It was a real struggle win for Alabama. And watching Alabama's other uh, games coming into this, it kind of gave me the feeling that Alabama maybe wasn't Alabama this year, uh-huh. that they were not as good as they have been, not at least not as dominantly good as they have been in the past. The other news, at least in the SEC, was Georgia's win over South Carolina, 40-13. to That was a very dominant win. And it sort of just showcased the fact that Georgia was going to be at least the team in the East, if not just the team, uh-huh. because of, of Alabama's struggle over Florida, you know, only winning by two points. It kind of, to me, that sort of keyed me into maybe Georgia's better than Alabama this year. It also made me kind of feel like Alabama, may, because of how many teams in the West and the SEC West were ranked, that maybe the SEC West was just going to be beating each other up and we were going to end up with a bunch of two lost teams and nobody going to the college football playoffs. Whereas Georgia was probably going to go at least to the SEC championship, probably going to win that, and then they would get in. So, you know, from from that perspective, at least in week three, it was looking to me like Georgia was going to be the SEC team that goes to the playoffs and maybe nobody else. Right. Well, the way it's starting to shape up now. Cincinnati beat Indiana, which, you know, Cincinnati's just kind of proved it's a it's a good team. Big upset from that week was Penn State over Auburn. Interestingly enough, Penn State went in there ranked 10 and Auburn, well, no. Yeah, both teams were ranked. Yeah, I don't know what they were ranked at the time. Auburn went up to Penn State, if I remember correctly, but Auburn was still picked to win by most uh, sports casters, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Penn State ends up winning twenty to twenty. It was a fairly balanced game. Penn State basically scored one touchdown per quarter. Uh, Auburn scored once per quarter, and two of those were field goals instead of touchdowns. But a lot of people thought, you know, Penn State being a Big Ten team and Auburn being a, an SEC team, then, uh, you know, the Auburn was just going to go in there and, and wreck Penn State's world, and it did not turn out that way. And instead, Penn State uh, put up a real fight. So this was more of what we saw in Week 2 was sort of the Pac-12 asserting their, hey, we're not just a blow-off conference and this was kind of the Big Ten's week to do that. Or at least for the Big Ten to say, hey, we're not just Ohio State. <laughs> right. And you also saw that with Michigan State beating Miami. Oh, that was much more. That was 38 to 17. Michigan State kind of batted around Miami. Sort of a mean way. <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas's week three game was. Well, Arkansas's week three was against Georgia. Georgia Southern. So, yeah, Arkansas' big game was week two. Against Texas. Against Texas. And they they manhandled Texas, like 40-something to 20-something. 40 to 21. So coming out of that, they looked pretty good. And obviously they looked good against Georgia Southern. Again, Georgia Southern. Not like they're playing Georgia or anything. 
so coming into this game, there are a lot of talk because Arkansas has a pretty good defense. So do we. There's a lot of thoughts that this was going to be a fairly low-scoring game. If we could stop the run on offense, we'd probably be able to stop them from scoring points. If they could stop the run on us, it might be the same way. It was sort of, there was a lot of question marks. Does Calzada have his head screwed on straight yet? Are we going to be able to to do this? And coming out basically very early, it looked like the answer was a solid no. <laughs> you know, Arkansas controlled the game. Uh, there was there was kind of a brief glimmer of hope in uh, the third quarter. We you know we managed to score a touchdown. We had a decent drive going. We had a lot of penalties that killed drives in the third and fourth quarter. They basically caused us to march the you know be like first and twenty or first and twenty five or something like that. And the honest truth is, Calzada's pretty awful so far. At throwing the ball long, uh, he has a tendency to throw it way too long, mm-hmm. or just too long. And the way Arkansas runs its defense is called an umbrella defense. So what they do is they rush three, and then they they play with everybody else in the backfield. So it's difficult to find open men. It can happen. Not not saying it doesn't happen, but it's difficult to play a passing game against that kind of defense unless you have a really good quarterback who's really accurate and can think on his feet. And the problem is Calzada is not. He, he can be really accurate and he can think on his feet, but he doesn't do it enough. The other problem is he flushed himself out of the pocket constantly. The reality is Arkansas rushing three against our five. Granted, our five aren't like amazing. Our O-line's not great, but they there were several times where he came out of the pocket and he didn't need to. Right, but that's because he has no faith in, in our O-line. I mean, right. <laughs> that's why he, he gets flushed out like a scared rabbit very easily, and that's because he doesn't have an O-line to protect him. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Arkansas just effectively was dominant over the game. It wasn't a huge loss. It was 20 to 10. So we're not talking, you know, it's not 50 to 10. It's not like, you know, 40 to 20 or anything. 20 to 10. But like I said, it was primarily a defensive game. It was about who could get those three and outs and who could get those big plays, those big offensive plays, because that, that's effectively what Arkansas was able to get. Well, especially on third down, like the, the third down is your quintessential down. Like if you're trying to you know, make it as a quarterback, that is the time to step up. And if you can't make yeah. it on third down, if you can't even at least make the third down manageable and it doesn't look like Calzada can do that. And he's constantly in the position of like third and five or greater. And that's just not sustainable. Yeah, well, it plays directly against Fisher's the way he wants to run his offense. Because mm-hmm. the way Fisher wants to run his offense is ball control. He wants to go to third down every down. Right. He wants to slowly move the ball, get four to five yards every play, and keep the the other team's defense on the field as long as possible. Right. He has not been able to do that. He just hasn't uh, because, like you said, if you're third long constantly, then you're not going to convert on third if everything you're calling and everything you're running in practice is four to five yards. 
then when you find yourself in third and long, you're not going to convert. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're, we're not, we're seeing non-conversions. Right. And, you know, in the particular case of Calzada, it's really hard to make, to, to have a third down play call system. If you are constantly missing your reads, if you're constantly overthrowing and your only sustainable way of making any sort of yardage is that you're running backs and you in the rush game, then, you know, on third down, they know what you're going to do. They just have to go into light pass coverage and for and try to force you to, to run it and then they'll box you in the other thing i want to talk about is is uh so this was played in a neutral neutral zone which is a neutral field so it wasn't played in arkansas it wasn't played in fayetteville it wasn't played at, at college station it was played in in dallas or in arlington at jerry's world which is done every year not every year last year it was actually played at a&m oh yeah so they're kind con- you know it's it's i think a five to ten year contract every time and so i think it was up that and the whole no fans everything covid was making everything weird so oh, that makes sense uh, they were they were back this year but that means it's half arkansas half aggies in the stands because it's about equidistant from the two the two schools there's a very important morale role that quarterbacks play the entire team can fold or get back up if a quarterback can kind of lead them in a morale space and Calzada is not projecting that leadership quality and he's not projecting confidence and he is fear is not quite the right word but that's the closest word I can get to it it's sort of this combination of fear and non-confidence it's fear of failure that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's what he projects and so the little bit of hope that we had in the third quarter just sort of collapsed once we had you know once we had a three and out and then after that into the fourth quarter, it was, you know, everybody was pretty much hopeless and everybody could, it was palpable. You could feel it. The team looked the way the entirety of the offense looked that way. The fans looked that way. Everybody at home felt that way. Well, you know, and I'm thinking back on it and all the videos that I see of Jimbo Fisher on the sideline and whatnot. And I mean, a big thing that you see in his face is like, cause you know, we've seen Jimbo Fisher get animated when things go wrong. He hasn't really been that with this kid. And I get the impression that the reason why that is, is because that he knows that if he yells at him, he's just going to break down and cry on the sideline. And then he's got no quarterback. So he's like, well, I want to yell at this kid. I really want to yell at this kid, but I, I don't have any other options, you know, so I got to keep him in the game. <laughs> yeah. That might sound mean or insulting, but I mean, that's honestly, because like if you've seen Jimbo Fisher animated, he can get really angry and hopped up and try to get his guys in the game. But Calzada, he just, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that, that sort of stalwartness that you would need, you know, for big moments. I think a lot of it is experience based, which you'll see in, uh, training and in, in practice games and in the, like the maroon and white game or whatnot is Jimbo will be a lot more like all over experienced guys, mm-hmm. junior, seniors, that kind of stuff than he will against the less experienced guys. And I mean, Calzada is just less experienced. So I think that's part of it. What I will say is the defense kept playing, which was to me was the most impressive thing about that game from our side of the ball or, you know, for A&M's team, is the defense kept playing. We only let them score three points in the four, in the uh, second half. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't let them score at all in the third quarter. Uh, they only scored three points. So, you know, we kept stop. We kept putting up stops, even despite the fact that all the morale was gone and there was no hope on the offense. 
the defense kept playing. And that's a real credit to the defense, I think. Oh, yeah. We got a very good defense. And a lot of those guys, if they're seniors, are, are probably going to get drafted in the uh, yeah, next year. So it was a very disappointing game. It was our first loss. It kind of took the win. Anybody who still had kind of hopes of running the West or, you know, maybe still going to the college playoffs, it, it kind of took the sale out of almost everybody on that one. Yep. You know, we were ranked number seven going into that game. Where Arkansas was ranked number 16. We kind of flipped <laughs> coming out of that. Uh-huh. I think we were ranked 15 after that, and Arkansas was ranked eight. Yep. Other things that happened around the college football world, uh, Clemson got beat by North Carolina State, 27-21. So it was a fairly close game, but it was kind of a showcase that, no, Clemson is just not very good this year. <laughs> they went into that ranked nine. I think they came out ranked 22 or something like that. Oklahoma only beat West Virginia by three points. It was 16-13. to 13. So Oklahoma went into that game ranked four. I don't think they were in the top five anymore after that game. Wake Forest is slowly becoming the dominant team in the ACC. So, and the fact that you've probably never heard of Wake Forest tells you something about the ACC. The ACC is where Clemson comes from, just so you're aware. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, their brief shining moment of prosperity of of, of dominance is just pretty much gone, especially with, you know, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars and them just, you know, stinking to high hell. (laughs) So unlike unlike the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are trying who are trying to showcase, hey, we're we're real, you know, conferences. The ACC is sort of going the other way. Big news in the SEC: Georgia Georgia beat Vanderbilt sixty-two to zero, which just seems mean to me. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like beating the crap out of your little brother. <laughs> At some point, don't you just go, guys? Just just need a ball, but we still got like a whole another quarter to play. It, yeah, just you know. Punt it away, man. Just punt it away. Yeah, just punt it away. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, on the other side of this, so the matchup that was similar to this in the Big Ten is Penn State versus Villanova. And Penn State only beat Villanova 38-17, to 17, right? That sort of showcases, like, you know, Penn State, oh, we beat Auburn and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you're still not really SEC quality. <laughs> <laughs> you only beat your, your cakewalk team, Villanova, by 20 points, whereas Georgia beat our cakewalk team by 62. Ah, Georgia. So, you know, Georgia just kind of showcasing that it's, that it's awesome. Florida beat Tennessee. Yeah, big whoop. Uh, Notre Dame beat Wisconsin, so that was a that was in the favor of Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you know, I still think they're massively overranked, but they did beat Wisconsin, which was a ranked team. Uh, they beat them pretty handily, forty-one to thirteen. Good old Michigan State beating Nebraska. Michigan State versus Nebraska—that's just like an old-timey, you know, good good old football game where nothing's on the line. Just two good or two decent college teams duking it out. Yep. Yep. So UCLA beat Stanford. The reason this is interesting is because UCLA beat LSU and and because of what Stanford's going to do in week five. (laughs) And we'll get to that. Stanford, in my opinion, is amazing. It's the only win from week five I was happy about. The entirety of week five was just awful for me. The entirety of it. I mean, from every perspective, it was a bad day. Totally. (laughs) LSU ends up beating Mississippi State, which was surprising. Because LSU looked pretty awful this year. Mississippi State, not looking great, but seemingly better than LSU. And this is um, LSU. This is a mostly a fourth, or a, sorry, a, a second half game. 
LSU manages to put up a lot of points in the third and fourth third quarter. Mississippi State puts up a lot of points in the fourth quarter, but LSU managed to get a touchdown in the first half, and, and Mississippi State only managed to get a field goal. So LSU beat Mississippi State 28-25. to That was a very close game. That was played, if I remember correctly, it was played at Mississippi State because I don't think that was in Death Valley because they played Auburn this week in Death Valley. So, And Death Valley is the name of the LSU Stadium. Why they call it Death Valley? I don't know. Something about it never rains. I think that's why. And it has not rained on college game day, you know, on Saturday during a game for, like, forever. Mm-hmm. The actual Death Valley is in California, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. Texas destroyed Texas Tech in the Big 12, 70 to 35. So literally double <laughs> what Texas Tech put up. Every time Texas had the ball, they gave it to B. John Richardson. Is it B. John Richardson? I want to say B. John Watson. It's not Watson. It's, I think it B. John Richardson. They've got a running back, and he's really good. He is. I'll give it to him. I hate the team and everything about them. But <laughs> they do have one really good running back, and he acted like a really good running back. Every time they gave the ball to him, he basically scored. So this was more of a display of Tech being just a terrible, terrible team than it was Texas being an amazing team because of what happened earlier against LSU and, or against Arkansas and what's going to happen in week five against TCU. <laughs> Miami destroyed Central Connecticut 69-0. to <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Kentucky beat South Carolina. In the SEC East, uh, there's two teams that are considered somewhat cakewalks. Actually, there's three teams that are considered somewhat cakewalks. Vanderbilt, obviously, Missouri, and then Kentucky. So it was a little bit surprising seeing South Carolina get beat by Kentucky. Uh, This is mostly due to the fact that South Carolina's coaching staff is in just a huge amount of disarray Uh after last year's, like, random firings. and uh, So I, I don't expect the Gamecocks to be good for a while now and they were not good enough that one of our basketball teams in the conference their football team beat them <laughs> so Colorado got beat by Arizona State 35-13 to 13. so but that was week 4 so disappointing week A&M lost Texas won so bad week all around <laughs> from a Texas point of view <laughs> yeah going into week 5 it was sort of a okay can we bounce back? Can Texas A&M bounce back? Because we have Mississippi State. Mississippi State just came off a loss from LSU. So, obviously, having problems because LSU looks awful. Mississippi State's not looking very good. Most people thought, hey, this is probably a win. The statistics I saw put it at like a 70% chance that we would beat them. We're <laughs> close to that. That it was going to be a close game. We were only going to beat them by like seven or less. But that we would win. And I think primarily that was in part because it was a home game. Yeah, I mean, it's a home game. Plus, at this point, you know, Calzada's got a few games under him. Jimbo Fisher's had a few weeks to kind of coach him up. And so the idea is, is not having to travel, being home again. And hopefully the mindset of Calzada is like, I've got to be that much better in order to keep leading this team. So, yeah, that was the hope. Yep. You know, I think our first drive really says it all. We went two plays and then threw an interception. No, one <laughs> one play. No, we had we had one play before that. No. It was a kickoff and it was the first and it was the first pass. <laughs> it was the first pass. I mean, we ran before that. Couldn't have been for more than maybe a couple of yards then. No, it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. 
But yeah, through an interception. Um, that's just sort of how the game went. Mississippi State went down and scored. We went down and scored. They went down and kicked a field goal. It, it was like our our defense from the last four games was kind of just not there. Now, granted, we had not played a, a Mississippi State is kind of built to be a passing offense, like just flat out. They they barely ever run the ball. I think they ran like four running plays total. So everything they do is passing. And it showcased a real limit on our defense that we could not stop the pass until we got to the red zone. And in the red zone, we did pretty well. We, we put up a lot of stops in the red zone, but that just results in field goals, typically. We got lucky. Mississippi State missed a couple of those. But... The defense just didn't, they did not look <clears throat> anything like they did in the past four games. They weren't a dominant force. They weren't something you really had to, they were getting out coached very handily. Uh-huh. And, you know, anytime we tried to, to put pressure on the quarterback, he was able to get the ball out. Anytime we stopped putting pressure on the quarterback, he was still able to get the ball out. <laughs> and his guys were able to get three or four yards or 10 or 20 yards, depending on. His receivers were good. His completions were good. He looked like everything looked like it was clicking for Mississippi State's offense, and nothing looked like it was clicking for AM's defense. And that, that's kind of one sided. The honest truth is, we put up a lot of stops. Even in the fourth quarter, they would have scored no points if it hadn't been for the offense. Well, in particular, too, I mean, even when we get the stops and we get the ball back, is nothing would generally come out of our offense. So when the when the defense did come back on, it's just demoralizing, you know. Especially since the way that it started off with the interception, and they got it back with short field, and you were able to keep them to a field goal. That should still be, I mean, because like you said, it was the second play of the game. Mississippi State had fantastic field position to start off their first possession, and we Mm -hmm. limited them to a field goal. That should be, you know, pretty morale raising. But then you come back and you don't get anything for that. No, we did. We came back and got a, a touchdown. We got a touchdown after that one? That's when the game still looked manageable. Right. So the first quarter, it it, it looked, but it was like the slow, and, and it was exactly the kind of thing that Jimbo tries to do to other teams that Mississippi State did to us. It was the slow wearing down of the offense and the defense. And you could see kind of how tired our defense was. I mean, they were still putting up stops because I think Mississippi State's offense was also getting tired. (laughs) (laughs) On the offensive side of the ball, we just couldn't finish. The run game looked pretty good. We were able to get down the field. We were able to move the ball. But once we got into the red zone or, in you know, within 30, we just couldn't finish. We got to third down and we couldn't convert. And so it ended up being, you know, two field goals in the second, another two field goals in the third quarter, and then a single field goal in the fourth quarter. Compared to Mississippi State, it was getting touchdowns. They got a touchdown in the second. They got a touchdown in the third quarter. They didn't score in the fourth quarter except for the safety. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, Mississippi State's defense was fairly on point. You know, they were mostly rushing three guys. Calzada actually looked a little better in the pocket than he had been. But his his confidence in the pocket was better, but you could still tell that when he was trying to throw, he was trying to overthrow for some reason. Yeah, he overthrew a lot. There was like a nervous energy of like, I got to get this all the way out there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. One touchdown pass he threw was brilliant. Right. You know, normally Calzada throws these bullets that are just 
they move at a massive rate and they're good they're really good at certain times and certain time frames but it's not always and so he threw this this kind of sail ball into the back of the the end zone back corner and our guy went out and caught it you know smith that was fantastic that was amazing it was like oh my gosh he can actually do this <laughs> you know there was a lot of hope there in the first quarter but it never repeated right anytime he tried to throw anything that was long or up there it was too long or too far or or just yeah. way out there when those things weren't working for him then it was like he kind of reverted back to these where he would miss the reads, he'd miss the open guy, and he would run out of the pocket and either throw it away or try to gain a few yards himself or something like that. When he'd gain a few yards, it's great. Or that touchdown that he eventually got himself, but you got to be able to find the open guy. Yeah. You, know, you either got to slow down the readings or start reading better or, or something, but he, he's just not... It's not like he's committed to the passing game. Yeah, that's right. In the third quarter, it was not it was not two field goals. It was a touchdown. We just we went for the two point conversion and didn't get it. Right. That was the one time that you actually saw Jimbo Fisher mad at Calzada because uh, he had to take a timeout before doing the two point conversion because Calzada, I guess, thought they were going to go for a field goal. And Jimbo Fisher was like, no, what are you doing? Get back out there. You know? <laughs> and he was mad yeah. because he didn't have the situational awareness to know that you had to go for two and you had to get that playoff. <laughs> yep. Very close game throughout the entire game. Nobody really got ahead of anybody else or you know mississippi state was ahead the whole game Uh they never got further than a touchdown away we were talking about that two-point conversion i gotta tell you that is another one of those things that kind of makes you wonder how is it that calzada was the backup like how did this kid get to this level because a&m being part of the sec they have to have a pretty high standard for the the players that they recruit and I, i understand he was a backup and he's brought in before his time but at this level you kind of already have to have that sort of mentality there right yeah there's a lot of questions a lot of people are asking that same questions like why was this guy our number two Mm -hmm. was he just that much better in practice than he's turning out in actual play and are we stuck with him now because that was the the bet we made right practice versus you know an actual game is kind of like the difference between playing the computer and playing a real opponent (laughs) right it did showcase the fact that when we can get the running game moving, it's good. I mean, A-Chain had some great runs. Spiller had some great runs. Then when Calzada is accurate, you know, we're pretty good. But it, it's something about – this is something else I want to talk about. The offensive line is not great. But one of the biggest problems I see play-to-play is the um, hiking the damn ball. Yeah. Because Calzada, two out of every three times, he's reaching for it. He's right. going over his head. He's going outside of his body. He's he. One of them got thrown on the ground, basically, right. and Calzada had to dive on it. And that was a drive where we probably would have scored. I honestly think if our center could get hiking the ball down, about half of Calzada's problems would go away. Because uh-huh. instead of having to focus on, oh, I've got the football, he can focus on where are my reads. Right. <laughs> and and unfortunately, he's spending the first three to five seconds of every down trying to make sure he's got the football instead of his center putting the ball a center of mass. It's pissing me off because it's the center has two jobs and one of them is hiking the ball correctly right. and the other is blocking the guy in front of him. And it's it's in sequence. It's not like he's trying to do both at the same time. <laughs> you right. know, I just. Uh, 
offensive line has a lot of work. Calzada has a lot of work still. I know that our defense was a little outcoached this game. That comes from their coach not having to worry about the offense because they can tell that that offense is clicking. And then now they're dissecting the defense. And I think in this particular case, our defense is starting to lose their morale because they're like, look, you know, even when we do good, it doesn't really help. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the defense wasn't any good, this game would have been a whole lot different. I mean, it, the score wouldn't be there wouldn't be a four point spread on the score. It'd be a much bigger one. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the defense is still really good. Don't get me wrong. In the red zone, they put up a lot of stops. They did a good job, but they didn't do the kind of job that Fisher wants them to do. Right. Well, the Fisher wants them to be able to compensate for whatever the, the offense is lacking. And that's really hard to do at this level. Not just that. The, the way Fisher wants to run the game is ball control. He wants mm-hmm. the ball in the hands of his offense for a long period of time. And that was flipped. In this game, Mississippi State had the ball, I think, 36 minutes to our 24. Mm-hmm. They had the ball. And that's kind of a flip from what Fisher wants. It seems like Calzada, his style of play, I guess, in general, is not meshed up well with Jimbo's kind of strategy. And the defense this time did not click with Jimbo's strategy. Because mm-hmm. when you're playing that kind of strategy, when you're playing a ball control strategy, your defense needs to get a three and out almost every time. Or, you know, two out of three times, or at least half the time. And that was not happening. Mississippi State was able to hold on to the ball for at least two or three series in every drive. And then maybe there'd be a three and out. But they were able to get the first down two or three times before the defense was able to put up a stop. And when that happens, it means the other team has the ball and has the ball control and controls the clock. And that's what Jimbo doesn't want. And so it feels to me like Jimbo's going between flustered about this that he is not in control that he is not controlling the clock and sort of this defeatist attitude like okay well our strategy on this just didn't work and so well whatever and i think part of that defeatism is like i wasn't counting on this kid to begin with and then it's like yeah okay i mean that was good for the first couple of weeks but your job as a college football coach is to bring these kids along (laughs) yeah you know that's really what makes a good college football coach is like that's your job is to develop the player not just coach him or tell him what to do is to really develop him (laughs) yeah it was a loss it was a very disappointing loss it was at home the 12th man never really gave up hope uh which was nice to see yeah the 12th man but yeah at this point you know we're a two loss team we're three and two so there's no chance, no hopes of getting into the playoffs. Well, it's not even just the two losses. The two losses are in conference, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've got Alabama next week. And whereas before this weekend, I was thinking Alabama was a, a beatable team. We'll cover their game very briefly. They're not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> they look. Uh, it looks like Saban's really got his offense clicking now. And they look a lot tougher than they did earlier in the season. Yeah, Mississippi State has a bye week, and then they go to play Alabama. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. But we won't be ranked. We came into this ranked 15th. Mississippi State was not ranked. You know, this close of a game, we'll walk out of this unranked. Mississippi State will be, will remain unranked. And from this point forward, it's just sort of, well, week to week, you know, I'm just going to assume we're going to lose the rest of the season. And uh, every game we win, I'll be happy about it. Right. The reality of that, that's not likely to happen. Uh, if it did happen, I imagine Jimbo would get fired. But 
<laughs> well, the best news that you got coming for you, and, and really this isn't great news, is, is that the hardest game of your season is next week. And once you get through that, then because you're already, like you said, you already don't have the playoff hopes. You already don't have the conference hopes. So now it's just trying to get through with as many wins as possible. And it's probably not going to be next week, but hey, next week's your hardest one. It's all downhill from there. And maybe you can start looking towards next season and who you're going to keep and who you're not going to keep, who's going to go to the draft and who's going to be around next year and who you're going to start recruiting. <laughs> yep. Kind of back to being an Aggie. Sorry, I got my hopes up this year. <laughs> yeah, and for those that, that go, boy, this is you know really early in the season to be this fetus to go, that's how thin of a margin you have in college football nowadays, especially when you're in a conference like the SEC. That's why AM wanted to go to the SEC, is that they're just a high-profile, elite conference that if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, and that your program will just explode with attention and funding and everything else and prestige. Yep. We hate to be Debbie Downer, but I mean, it's just what it is at this point is that the last two games we should have won. And that if we had gone into next week being undefeated a five and oh, yeah. right. Five and oh. I and mean, it turns out that we end up losing to Alabama. And everyone goes, OK, everybody has a hard time with Alabama. But now it's we can't even beat the teams that we should be beating. Yeah. So go over some of the other games that take me off. <laughs> First game, Georgia versus Arkansas. I kind of expected Arkansas to go in there and, and possibly win, right? Because of how good they looked against us, of how good they looked against Texas. And they were kind of riding. They were 4-0 at that point. They were sort of riding this wave. You know, Georgia coming off a 62-0 win against Vanderbilt. Maybe they were thinking, you know, we're a little high and mighty. Maybe Arkansas would be able to catch them off guard. It was in Georgia. This turned out to a hog slaughter fest. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally, Arkansas got shut out. No points. Zero points on the board. Georgia came out strong and ended strong. You know, 21 points in the first quarter, 10 points in the fourth quarter, a field goal in two and three. They 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 win 37 to zero. So Arkansas came into this rank number eight. I don't think they'll be ranked number eight. I don't think Georgia will be ranked number two anymore. I kind of expect them to go to number one, but we'll see. I was expecting Arkansas to be able to do more, and Georgia just slapped them around. Mm-hmm. Which makes our loss to Arkansas that much more humiliating. <laughs> yeah, it sort of showcases, okay, if, if we had won the SEC West and went up against Georgia, we would have gotten slapped around. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear now Georgia's going to win the SEC East. So the other game was Ole Miss and Alabama. I was somewhat hopeful that Ole Miss would be able to go in and do more. You know, Ole Miss had a really, really strong offense. They had a really strong offense last year. The the Ole Miss Alabama game last year was sixty three to forty five. I want to say. Uh-huh. Think about that. Like it's only a twenty point difference, but both teams had scores over forty points. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just an offense so, game. You know, that's a game where the defense did nothing. <laughs> all offense. And to me, like I was saying, going into this this week, Alabama was not looking. Like Alabama, they were looking good. They were a good team, but they weren't looking like the super dominant Alabama that they they usually look like. And going into this, Ole Miss looked like they had a, a defense. It looked like they had scrounged up a defense somewhere in the last year, and they were going to be able to play ball. So I thought this was going to be a good game. Turned out I was wrong. <laughs> in, in the first half alone, Alabama put 28 points up, and Ole Miss did not score. Which blew my mind. I was not expecting that at all. I was expecting it to be a, a just a shootout, the same as last year, but with Ole Miss being able to put up more stops than they were able to. 
turned out Alabama's defense has come somewhat of a long way from there last year because they didn't have a great defense either. And they were able to basically shut out Ole Miss in the first half. And that wasn't the same in the second half. Ole Miss was able to score 28 points in the second half, but Alabama was able to score 14. So they won that game 42-21 to 21 pretty handily. It reminded me a lot of the Texas Tech game from last week where just Alabama was just in control of the game totally. And then the, the other game, it ticked me off, but it was sort of like a ticked off, but in a happy way. It was the Texas TCU game. So in the Big 12, uh, Texas going to TCU. So that's up here in Dallas. Well, it's in Fort Worth. This has turned into something of a rivalry just because Texas hasn't been able to beat TCU at home since like 2013. And so Texas came in. They knew it was going to be a close game, but they were coming off that win 70 to 35 against Texas Tech. And it was close. It was a very close game. Final score, Texas 32 to TCU's 27. It was down to the wire. TCU could have won that game in the last five minutes if some things had broke their way. They did not. Bijan Robinson. Robinson still a very impressive rusher through that whole game. But again, it... I hate watching Texas games because the announcers are all just like, oh, Texas is just the ma- most amazing thing ever. And aren't they just so good? They're just so good. They're so great. And I'm like, you are almost losing to TCU. And, I mean, is Texas even ranked? I mean, I don't think they are. No, they're not okay, ranked. So they, didn't get ranked. they were ranked until they played Arkansas. And, you know, the guys, oh, they're you know, they're going to move into the SEC and it'll be a little rough after that. But then they'll be great. They'll probably run the circuit on the SEC, I'm sure. And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea, buddy. <laughs> We've been here for a few years, let me tell you. It, it's rough and it sucks sometimes. It's, yeah, it's rough and it's always rough, even when you're good. <laughs> but they do have one trick pony, Bijan Robinson. He'll probably get drafted. And he puts up a lot of yards. He put up like 216 yards in this game. But again, one trick pony. So yeah, TCU almost beat Texas. Unfortunately, Texas actually broke their losing streak against TCU at home. Which, good for them, spending 100 times as much money on their athletic program than TCU does, that they were able to beat the TCU Horn Frogs by five points. Good for you, Texas. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> good for you. Oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> really big blowout game this week was Stanford and Oregon. Remember Little Old Oregon early on, was it week two, week one? I can't remember. Week one, week two, one of those. Oregon came out and beat the Ohio State. State University. <laughs> yeah, they beat Ohio State, which was a big black eye from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. And for our listeners out there, I got to tell you, I'm saying this with a smile on my face as I have recently moved to Columbus and I just I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, Ohio State's walking around with a black eye instead of a buckeye. <laughs> um, and Oregon's walking around with a chip on their shoulders, especially because they're ranked number three. Coming into a game against unranked Stanford in the Pac-12, Stanford pulls out a win, 31-24. to And it is a close game the whole game. And so the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, I don't think they're going to be ranked number three <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so Stanford ended up, ended up beating them. I was pretty happy about that, I got to admit. <laughs> I've never liked Oregon that much. But we like them better than Ohio State. <laughs> That's right. So, good close game to watch was uh, Virginia-Miami. Huh. It was close. Virginia beat Miami 30-28. Um, huh. It's good. 
It was Thursday night, ACC football, and it was a great game to watch, mostly because the NFL requires me to pay them money in order to watch the Thursday night football right now, which takes me off to no end because that was a good game too. The Jaguars and the Bengals, that was a shootout. <laughs> I mean, it was like every, I was watching the Virginia Miami game, or I was watching the score updates and it was like every quarter, both teams were scoring two touchdowns. So I was like, oh my gosh, why can't I watch? But you know, the Virginia Miami game was great too. So <laughs> when we do our NFL catch up, I got to tell you how that shouldn't have been a shootout, but, but it was. But it was. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, Penn State beat Indiana. So Penn State's now ranked number four. I think they'll keep the ranking. Oklahoma managed to keep in the top ten. They're ranked number six. They beat Kansas State. But that was a close game, too. It was 37-31. That would have been a good one to watch. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame 24-13. So that was a big one, but that was per their ranking. Cincinnati's ranked number seven. Notre Dame's ranked number nine. So that was sort of the expectations. Big upset in the SEC was Florida-Kentucky. Florida went up to Kentucky. They haven't lost to Kentucky since, I want to say, the 80s. It was like 85, something like that, Mm -hmm. the last time they lost. So much so that there is an SEC short skit about that, (laughs) about Florida, even when Florida is just awful, going up to Kentucky and giving them a loss. I think it's like a a pizza delivery man. (laughs) It's like... But Kentucky managed to do it. They beat Florida 20 to 13. So, you know, good on them. And this is sort of, I feel bad for Kentucky because I expect at this point, you know, given their, or they, they won last week, right? Or week two or three, mm-hmm. sorry, week four or three, they had a win too, unexpectedly. Or no, they won over the South Carolina. I expect Kentucky starting to get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and it's a probably going to get smashed by Georgia or whoever <laughs> ends up smashing it. That was the uh, big SEC game was probably the Auburn LSU game because it was in LSU. So it was in Death Valley and LSU was actually winning that game for most of the game until the fourth quarter and Auburn managed to storm back with two touchdowns and win at 24 to 19. But it was looking like LSU was going to win and that was actually the line. Even though LSU was unranked and Auburn was ranked uh, 22, the expectation was Auburn was going to go into Death Valley and lose, but they didn't. They pulled out a win. And so LSU just looks like one of those weird teams this year, just like they were last year. Sometimes they, they look good or really good, and sometimes and most of the time they don't. Clemson managed to hang on to its ranking, so it's ranked 25 now. They beat Boston College by all of six points. <laughs> 19 to 13 another SEC blowout Tennessee and Missouri I was actually really surprised about this because the volunteers haven't looked good in a long time of course neither has the Missouri Tigers but Tennessee beat Missouri 62 to 24 I'll be interested to see Tennessee's other games and Missouri's as well because I don't know to me that like that that score just shouldn't have happened <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like Tennessee is that good or Missouri is that bad or maybe it's both. Uh, that was just really surprising to me. USC beat Colorado. And that was week five. Disappointing week. Going back to just being an Aggie again. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just eternal hope without expectations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our show. Uh, like, share, subscribe, whatever it is. Share our podcast. Talk to us. Use our Facebook page. We have a website. Be a patron. Get exclusive patron content on Patreon. And uh, thanks for listening. I'm Pat. I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Gig em. <coughs> <coughs> Breathe.
breathe. Ugh, breathe. You can't die on air. <laughs> Don't take me to a doctor. 